This is radio. Radio Level 5 is an artist-run podcast from Level 5, a cooperative studio floor in the center of Brussels. In our podcasts, we invite artists and other people to discuss their practice. Sometimes we host discussions and also play sound and text pieces. Today, Bacheva Ross and Olaf Winkler speak with Christiana Blattmann. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, welcome to another interview for Radio Level 5. We're sitting here with Christiane Blattmann. And uh, we, that is uh, Bacheva Ross and me, Olaf Winkler. And uh, yeah, we want to talk about your work, Christiane. Hello. And uh, which is covering quite a big range of uh, different techniques, different materials, three-dimensional, rather two-dimensional pieces, and so on. So, uh, yeah, it will be a really nice talk. I'm, I like your work a lot. And, yeah, maybe we start from where we are right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, when we talked before, you said, I'm predominantly a sculptor, but there's a different uh, thing. So in front of us, we have we are sitting right now in your studio. And we are surrounded by uh, different works of yours from different uh, sort of uh, material or uh, this is a uh, this is um, uh, this is a work on jute is like a, um, a jute um, uh, background that is like dyed and sewn together and um, it has like silicone cast um, on the I jute. The, the word for <laughs> and it's and it's, it's put on a stretcher. Yeah, it's a, it's, but it's a kind stretcher. of a relief. A leaf. Yeah. It's somewhere between two-dimensional and tiny bit three-dimensional. It's not really a relief, but mm. it's. Mm. I mean, it's it's working in the third dimension, but it's more or less working with the same techniques as a painting because it's on a frame. Let's start by just describing the works, like what we have. Then we go into depth with it. And then we have <laughs> uh, on the windowsill here uh, two shoes that you made, uh, made out of? They're made out of resin. Resin, and they're quite bulky shoes, but which is almost on the verge of fashion, but uh, sculpture. And then uh, uh, in the space next to us, we have three sculptural objects. Um, they're like uh, Nawosta, uh tubes, or how would you describe, what are these? Yeah, they're like oven pipes. Oven pipes. With they're like stainless steel oven pipes. And then also uh, floating on them are kind of, uh, again, Utah uh, or... Yeah, it's like it's like pleated and starched jute mm-hmm. that is sort of uh, draped around the, the pipes. And mm-hmm. one of them has an actual oven as sort of like the core, mm-hmm. um, as like a torso um, sort of element. Okay, maybe we should... St- what do you want to start with uh, talking about? Maybe we should start with these. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so what's the what's the ovens? Um, it uh, th- they were um, all three of those were made um, in two thousand nineteen for mm. an exhibition in Münster, and um, uh, I, I had a huge space to work with, and um, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to understand, like, um, I was asking myself, what is the, what is like a core principle of sculpture? Mm-hmm. Like, I like just kind of start with a basic assumption, and um, so, so it was the, it was a reflection about like um, a sculpture in the classic sense is like a volume in the space that you can walk around and like that sits on the floor, and that is. In, in most cases, in a classical se- uh, sense, describing a body, like most, uh, most often a human body. Sometimes it will be a human on a horse, sometimes it will be um, like an animal sort of accompanying um, mm-hmm. a human or like a group of animals. So like, but it's most often like really um, uh, a living body that is depicted in stone. So the warmth of the here is like, the, like a body. Exactly. Yeah, you you're completely right. That one of the yeah one of the ideas was like the what 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 is actually depicted is um, 
is like a warm body, whereas like a sculpture is a cold body. Mm-hmm. And um, and by making this pun to include an oven or like oven pipes into the into the sculpture, it was the idea of at least giving the the sculpture the potential to be warm. Right. And sort of you know, kind of like being on this verge of like, is it is it has it just cooled down or is it about to heat up? Right. And um, and then there's um, but they're erected almost like periscopes from the from from the floor. It seems like yeah a, yeah. And then there's also these um, these cloths that are um, uh, hugging them, and it's almost like the wind blowing around. Mm-hmm. You know, in the way they they hug the these um, these objects. So it's also cooling in a way. I don't know. It's, uh, it's heat, and then there's wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all have these um, sort of water vessels as mm-hmm. kind of like a, a, a kind of abstracted head, or like where a head would sit. Right. And um, yeah, so it's a bit sort of like um, um, kind of dealing with like an archaic um, um, sense of elements. Right. Um, but at the same time, the uh, by making this gesture of like rape, uh, wrapping the the pleated jute around the the pipes and the oven, is also like it was for me a way of like almost like animating those um, cold steel objects right. uh, by like sort of pretending to c- close them mm-hmm. uh, to to dress them, and um, I I had once read like um, there's this. Um, architect and architecture theorist Gottfried Semper that uh, I sometimes refer to and like he has this sometimes crude theories of where um, a sort of like history of um, of its aesthetics that we're surrounded um, uh, by in the in the built environment comes from and he has like he had this idea that um, in in the ancient times of like building shelters people couldn't stand to um, the side of a naked pillar Mm-hmm. And and so he because because the, 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 he says that it's sort of like a human need to um, if something resembles um, a body mm-hmm. that you would have to dress it to kind of um, that almost as if 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 it was this desire to um, to kind of like give into these analogies mm-hmm. and that a, like by by sort of dressing the first wooden pillars. He said um, the first sculptures were mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. made, which might or not might not be true. But I like I like the idea anyways, of like yeah. you, you cannot stand this sort of um, architectural element that is supposedly naked. Right. But actually, it's um, it's quite interesting because it's if I, if I see the three objects that we have in front of us now, um, even without the detour via uh, Semper, you come to a very uh, basic principle of let's compare it to a skeleton mm. and the skin or the flesh on the skeleton so you have like which is it's, for me it's quite basic to sculpture in, in a general sense or so every kind of erecting something like an, an object a building whatever that you need something which is carrying which would be the skeleton and which is rather strong but also here uh, in metal um, yeah unbendable almost and then you have the, the skinny or the fleshy part so it's not just about clothing it's it's about the the two softness and hardness coming together which which I see in here and uh, that that's quite interesting so is that something which is important for you to to have this of load bearing and playfulness around it without even referring to semper because I think yeah, semper yeah. is just something else I mean I think that um, that um, is kind of um, it's an interesting principle because it's sort of um, both a principle that um, applies to to a sculptural practice as it applies to building, and I think those analogies are something that interests me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm asking it because um, I like this, uh, this this concept of semper and referring to it very much, but I think it's even more basic if you come to this relation because it's just causing a certain kind of tension if you have the softness and the, the hard skeleton, let's put it that way. And in Renaissance, for example, you have like uh, uh, the skeleton of, of a building, which is overstressing. So you have like the columns, but it's not about 
hiding the columns, what Sempa is referring to, obviously, but it's about the, the skin in between. So you have like this stretched wall, which is like a soft skin, and you have the bones, which would be the columns. So even if you have like a closed building, it's made up of these two principles. In your case, of course, the skin is not uh, stretched. It's lying yeah. around very softly. It's very... Yeah, very, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Um, I, I, I do totally agree. And to me, there's something by, by sort of using those principles, sometimes I, I think that it's kind of easier to understand um, a surrounding that we find ourselves in, like if we look out the window yeah. and like see the, see like the um, urban landscape that seems oftentimes far away, like hard to understand physically because it's so un like abstract. Mm -hmm. And I think by sort of making these sort of like um, bodily analogies, it's something that can be understood better. And I think yeah, like then. With a, if we jump to another piece with the shoes, with the shoe series, that's often um, sort of like um, this the a sort of um, building reduced to model scale and then sort of like squeezed into the shape of a shoe. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a similar approach that by sort of like scaling something to um, to the size of of a human body is like a different way to understand the principles that are at work, but also in terms of like understand, like oftentimes the buildings that I'm, I'm using as like a model idea to, to work with are um, say like rather hostile um, body uh, buildings or like, you know, kind of oftentimes I look at office tower here, I looked at sort of um, affordable housing or social housing that, uh, but like more with like office towers like uh, like a built environment is it's actually not meant for um it, it, maybe it's meant for for human bodies to like move in but like oftentimes it's sort of like not not the first foremost important thing um that that is considered in the planning there might be like i don't know like the streams of assets might be something like way more important to um, for like um, planning decisions then like the decisions that um, um, how does like a person like move and live in there. It's, it's, it's really interesting uh, because maybe we have to describe them first uh, a bit more. They look like shoes, they have the size of a shoe, actually a bit like a sports shoe maybe or so. Um, but uh, the actual shoe part apart from the sole is um, it looks a bit like an organically shaped from the outside, uh, like a structure of an apartment building or something. Mm -hmm. So if you refer to the social residential buildings, this is like the repetitive, repetitive structure of a building skeleton from modernism. Let's put it that way, I would say. To me, it seems like this is uh, going opposite from this. Here it goes from the architectural structure, from uh, something working, With the and ovens turning in, you, it yeah. into something more humane, almost fashionable, because you have all these small details, uh, almost like buttons in, in a cloth or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with these shoes, you took something that is a you know, human covering fashion, and you turn it into something more uh, industrial, more urban. And it's as, as if with both these work, you're, you're trying to get into the middle point between uh, urbanism and humane. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's um, that's put very well, and I think that's that's something in, in my practice where like I, I tend to always um, come to these tipping points and mm -hmm. like test them out, or I I could say maybe I'm also interested in like the the sort of tipping points when when sculpture stops to be sculpture, mm -hmm. like when when does it tip to be fashion or architecture or design or craft and like these kind of, and, and sort of like, um, I don't know, in a way like understanding the hierarchies, but also um, kind of embracing um, where, yeah, where like sculpture sits and also sort of like loses itself. And like that, yeah, what you were just describing between the, um, like those tipping points and the two works, I think that's often. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like I want to bring in intuitively and also we, we discussed it beforehand uh, a question um, about you being a female sculptor and I feel like some th somewhere uh, um, this approach of, uh, of finding the tipping point between human and object is something ha that has to do with it or what do you feel like does it connect to something of your or not maybe not yeah I think um, I don't know if that I mean that, that connects to me personally personally yeah um, I think um, that maybe it's cliche what I'm asking <laughs> no no like I think like what 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 I can't what I came to understand yeah um, lately is that um, I think what what happens a lot to I, I, I maybe I was never sort of like really thinking in terms of a female sculpture but I think what what I uh, came to understand recently is that um, one gets very often reduced to like a material aspect right and maybe that has to do with like sort of like a history of um, of like women working in sculpture mm -hmm. and me personally I, I never think I'm mm, I look at myself more as as a human artist working in something right, that's interesting right, right. for me but sometimes you understand that you're sort of you find yourself in categories right and um, and it does it does annoy me slightly that like people want to always talk about like oh what is this made of and um, talk about like the material or like sensual qualities on the surface rather talk about um, um, ideas or like larger principles behind and I feel that um, that happens quite a bit and um, does it have to do with you being a female artist? I don't, I don't know. I mean, for, for sure it happens with, like, for painting, um, there's there's another way to to talk about because, right, you, right. like, you, you won't ask so much about the materials used. Um, but... Because um, you, you asked me before to ask you about being, you, being a female artist. Uh, but if you're, you're saying now that you don't want to be reduced with these work, I mean, you don't understand, understand yourself as a more being a female artist, just an artist as you are. Um, yeah, yeah, I think... So what does it, how does it play in your practice in that sense? Mm, I think I was more referring to the you know, like to under like to encountering these these moments that um, you're you're being reduced to this sort of like material category mm -hmm. where when there's other things to be talked about. Okay, okay. So and I think that's yeah. that's maybe sort of like my my point of observation right. where I feel like one okay. needs to. Uh, I, mean, I could imagine that it is indeed a point which can be a bit annoying, but on yeah. the other hand, uh, no matter if done by a female or male artist. Um, your work specifically is of course dealing with a, a huge range of different materials and some of them are very fascinating and um, so for that reason of course you cannot distract them either so but that is actually what I like a lot about it you have this very material crafty um, side to it and then these very like we just talked about the, the essential topics of making a sculpture as such close to architecture you, you self-introduced the topic of uh, social residential housing and so on, which you wrote a, a text about not long ago, just a month ago or so it was published, which was very much about city building, about people living in the city, what does it mean to inhabit a building and so on. So this range is, is very, very big. And um, so for that reason, do you think that this material, which is the obvious part, can give an entry to these questions for people that are looking at it or yeah i mean that's that's what i'm that's what i'm hoping or that's yeah. what i'm hoping a sort of um engaged viewer um would um would use as could, could potentially use use as a path that there is sort of a lot of um say like um um invitation on the surface and to me, the the kind of um, sort of central aspect, or like a um, a way that you can perceive an artwork through more than just through more than one sense, is sort of like an invitation to engage, or sort of like kind of lowering the threshold, or like kind of like putting an entrance door in into the work um, that um, you can sort of potentially access without having to have. Um, 
like an art education to um, yeah. to to talk about the work, but then, but then hopefully there's there's other things behind that door gate mm. to talk about. Yeah, because your work is is very much layered on that sense, and it's very as you said, it's inviting. I know from, uh, for example, doing guided tours in in exhibitions and so on. Um, while I myself am definitely not an art historian or expert on that, um, I had to deal with people who never watched art in their life before. So you have to invite them to, first of all, look at the piece that is in front of them and then you can start talking about it. Um, and that's the same here. You, you give a lot of invitations because you combine materials, which are very fascinating. Uh, not just jute, but you said resin, you're working with some kind of epoxy or whatever, so these uh, rather plastic materials um, or these different things, colors of course. Um, then you are using kind of visual metaphors, like the, the jute, almost two-dimensional work that we are ha having in front of us, it has some kind of a gateway. Yeah, there's always like a door or a yeah, window Yeah, but first of all, something that you can it. recognize, like a piece of architecture or whatever. And then on one of the ovens, which is always fascinating, but also irritating me a tiny bit, is this snail. I've seen it a lot on yeah. photos <laughs> because it's these things are about, maybe you have to describe that, they are about one meter 90 high or something, I would imagine. And then you have this tiny snail, which is life-size. So that is like, a, in German, it's a Weinbergschnecke, I guess. I don't know what they're called. It's these little snails that you can also eat. So they're like three, four, five centimeters. Yeah, maybe you should tell it's us really about strange. these snails. But it's, it's inviting the people to look at it. And I'm not sure, are you playing with the, the spectator? This thing is really like a, a breaking point in the entire thing. It's really funny that it's in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, for me myself, they, they are sort of like... Um, um, a uh, point of rupture where like the um, the entire sculpture is sort of like um, has sort of like a level of abstraction and sort of like hint like more like hints to like this could be a torso mm -hmm. this could potentially be a head but like nothing everything sort of like um, you know kind of like in the open it's more sort of like proportions that tell you um, where where that could sit and then the snail of a sudden like is something very concrete um, it just it's also concrete in scale, it it's like you said, because this could also be like, uh, knowing your work, it could also be like models of a high skyscraper or so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But with a snail, the snail is telling me that it's a r real size. They are one meter ninety because the snail is also real size. Yeah. Um, they, they came in at a certain point when um, I had... Um, I had the proportions, I had the sort of idea of, um, yeah, kind of dressing the, the ovens. And um, then with this sort of like um, idea of being on the threshold between something already, already cold, like uh, not yet warm anymore or like already cold or is it is it just about to heat up like this? Um, this moment on the verge between being uh, a sort of dead or sculptural mm -hmm. or living body that uh, the snail sort of came in to populate that. Um, so so they're, they're kind of like living on, like they're, they're sort of like a tiny organism that is sort of populating the larger organism as if it was sort of like a dystopian moment where something might indeed be already over and then sort of like other organisms come to mm -hmm. take it over and they also imply a certain pace of movement uh, yeah 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 they introduce a notion of time which is already a bit in whatever you said that they are these cloth pieces are like in the wind mm -hmm. i even had to think of botticelli the hair or whatever yeah. great <laughs> uh, but then the snails are also like they're caught in the movement so these two pieces in a very different way introduce the notion of time. But in the other hand, they are made out of this metal, like this uh, green, how do you, what, is, what are they? Bronze. Called? This bronze. Mm -hmm. So they actually allude of like uh, almost fossils of themselves because they're, um, they're made of very tough, almost stone-like material. Yeah. Are they sculptures by using snails or are they objets trouvés? Did you find them somewhere? Mm. Secret. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it's really funny that you bring them together because it's 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 underlining something which uh, is coming back in your work, which is this kind of abstraction, and using figurative, sometimes images, sometimes objects, or so, which are always giving this entrance. But 
they're not dead ends, but they are like dark tunnels. Everything which is figurative is inviting me, but then I get lost a tiny bit in, in where it leads me to, and, and that's quite quite fascinating. Also with the with the shoes. Sorry, we are jumping a bit between the objects, but yeah, for the listeners also because they are around here and they're very different. But at the same time, there's some things that are coming back. But for me, I'm looking onto these. We call them shoes, but they're I mean objects, pieces of architecture, models, whatever. But the funny thing is that behind it, you have the almost completed Philips Tower, which was just renovated or restored uh, in the center of Brussels, and um, it has the very same structure. So this is irritating me a lot because that thing has about 12, no, it's more 14 probably stories, but it has the same structure even showing to the outside of just uh, every every story and then plus a wall. So it's, it's very rectangular, very, very almost abstract again. And it's exactly this kind of architecture that you are referring to. So. Yeah, I mean, in this, in this one, um, I guess the... The, the building outside of the window we're looking at is like office. It, yeah, office it, it was office and I think it will be office again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, as I said before, for, um, for, most of the, for most of the shoe piece, I was looking indeed at um, office building. But like for, for that very one, because it was made on an invitation um, in a, for a show in Paris. And for that specific one, I was looking at... Um, um, affordable or social housing around Paris, but also around Naples. Like there's, um, there's like this crazy um, buildings in Naples. I don't the name. Know. Yeah, we talked about a lot of these things, but that's yeah. what I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> um, but for sure, I mean, like it will always like what is in front of your own window um, will yeah. always play into what you're making, and that's also the beauty of it. I guess. Yeah, here it's just a bit absurd because it. I mean, it, it, this building has been around since '69, I believe, 1969. The Philips Tower has been built, and the restoration now or refurbishment was a decision by the architects to much more than before show the inner structure to the outside. So what you are showing with your shoes is structure of a very modular, repetitive system of, of floors and walls. They decided to do that on architecture. I mean, before you could already read it, it's a, it's a characteristic of modernism, but they really made like it looks like a, like a bookshelf now, this building outside. And uh, so they're playing with this systematic and it could be, I mean, could also be an apartment building. To but you own. always do it with shoes. What is the right? You always have this uh, when you get. Um, yeah, I was recently. I did um, two two pieces that are sort of more like a jacket or a blazer. Right. So jacket. And they're sitting in the exhibition space, like almost looking up at you in a sort of like a submissive posture. Mm -hmm. And um, and they're way less recognizable as an architectural structure or like a model being shrunk into model size mm -hmm. um, but there is sort of like a grid on the on those jackets that they are kind of they're in a posture um, um, but they're also a sort of um, yeah kind of like this this cold structure mm -hmm. at the same time and that's um, that's actually also more how I how I started uh, um, when when I just uh, was at the end of art school I started to play around with textiles that have like facade prints on them mm -hmm. and I put them up in front of in front of me and like you know played around with the draping or like was kind of like dressing myself and taking um, photographs and then I sort of unphotoshopped myself out of the picture so you had this sort of like erect textiles that were kind of like um, animated but you couldn't see anymore mm -hmm. where that animation came from and um, I think those were kind of like the first steps into sort of like making the making a very simple um, move between something as you said before something that is sort of like skin and skeleton at the same time and um, yeah and then sort of like coming back to it with like a sort of submissive jacket mm -hmm. um, or the shoes. Yeah, it's often shoes. Um, and I always tell myself this will be the last pair I'm never going <laughs> to <laughs> um, uh, More shoes, but there's something that I actually like about, like there's something so silly about mm -hmm. it. Like sometimes I like a stupid idea is often a, 
a d idea worth executing. Right. And you always do a pair. You don't do a single shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's a combination there's a, between the, uh, the pair. I mean. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's the nice thing about like, w like it gives you like um, the, the, the principle of shoes gives you the the reason to do like two sculptures put next to one another mm. that look kind of identical. Right, right. So you, you have sort of like a strategy set up that uh -huh. um, yeah gives you a reason or like it gives you even sort of like um, a reason why to put it on the exhibition floor and like not mm -hmm. on a pedestal because yeah, it kind of it kind of can slip into being you a pair of shoes, but it can also sort of slip out of that. Right. Yeah. I'm still trying to, to think about what you're actually um, transforming or translating, if we have it about uh, these different elements. There's this physical element in, in your work very much, not just because it's clothing or so, but it's very much clothing referring to, to the physical body, I would say, the human body. Um, of course, you have some elements of sculpture as such, as we said, with the, the strong and the soft and all this and how it's combined. And then you have the, the, the architecture, and sorry that I'm referring to this again, but of course, first of all, I'm interested in these things. And second, it's not just space. I think, actually, to be honest, I think you're not working with space very much. You're working with a certain meaning of space of the inhibition of space and that is also something which struck me when I read your text about this uh, question of social housing and so on because we talked before about it and first of all it was much longer than I thought so you were really into it I think you're, you sometimes I have the feeling you can be quite very intense with what you work on and the second thing is um, in the text I think you were on the quest of understanding what is happening inside a building, not in the sense of action, but how does it feel, or it's some kind of empathy and so on. And you're crossing that even with some mythological parts. So, so you're really taking some narrative path, but to, to understand what, what it feels like to have these spaces, or, or how would you describe it yourself? It's not constructive. It's not just giving functions to spaces. It's not just um, how big is an apartment, or, and it could be bigger and it would be nicer, or whatever. It's, it's really about something which is very humane or humanely referring to the relation between human body and space and reflection on it. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's maybe like a drive to understand, like, is a space meant for me or not? Yeah. Um, as a, as a, dweller are you are you welcome are you are you just a guest or are you are you invited to stay and then like surprise like like a sort of like main principle of writing this text was um um like the, the the sort of like main idea I started out with was like remembering when when I was a child my parents took me to um the place where I was born which was a, a sort of workers um, uh, estate, like a, a sort of working class neighborhood that was built for um, cheap housing in the in the east of Stuttgart, and and then they 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 moved out when I still was a child, but they took me back when I was fourteen and like really not interested in like any any of like their uh, their sentimentalities, and they were like so proud to show me this neighborhood and. And then, like, when I remembered this episode, I was like, ah, that's funny that it was sort of like this affordable housing um, estate. But, like, why were my parents so proud um, that I was born there? And there must have been something sort of, they must have been happy to, to be living there. And then, and then sort of like um, a, a sort of guideline in writing the text was um, trying to make walks or, like, find, um, find in my own surrounding um comparable um comparable examples um like where you thought like this is um affordable for people who don't have the means and it might be joyful to live or like that would be an example where parents could tell like, their kids like i was mm. we were so happy to to live here and then and then i just didn't find any example and that sort of struck, like, the, the, there was sort of, like, the more I was looking, the more I was trying to understand 
um, whom like yeah whom are buildings um, made for if it's not if it's not for the for the dwellers to be at peace there what is what what is then like the like are there so many sort of um um um, economical um, and political questions behind that it's just like not possible to make um, a home worth living um, what yeah what is at stake and and or like what yeah what is actually the the sort of like parameters for somebody to say like I feel I feel I'm allowed to to be here there's home yeah I Playroom. mean I'm, I'm not sure if I'm interested in the idea of home but sort of just in terms of like I can afford this, and um, I don't feel like the the building itself is like spilling me out again because it's actually um, planned in like a way that's more hostile to the inhabitants. Or like I was writing this other text about the Grenfell Tower in London that was mm. so cheaply produced that um, um, it actually killed its own inhabitants. Mm and um which by the way without being cynical but i'm just thinking about it it's the skin which burned yeah so very it's, true it's, what uh, do you mean the skin the, the, the building burned down because the facade was not fireproof right so the structure which uh, if we refer to the ovens again or so you have the structure and the soft part so to speak in that case it was a modernist building and it was not the structure which burned it was a, a cladding the, uh. the skin so to speak and so that burned down. That they they used the cheap and uh, non-fireproof cladding, yeah, um, and that caused the disaster. Yeah. Um. I wanted to ask something which is now a bit difficult because uh, I don't want it to be misunderstood. It has nothing to do with this burning tower at all. Um, could it be that a common denominator concerning your works is such color and textile? And something which is also coming back in these texts about architecture and living in it, that is somehow about temperature rather than, for example, color. What I mean is, I feel well in a building if I have the feeling that the temperature of the building, and I don't mean literally 20 degrees, I mean the temperature of the, of the object or something which I can somehow touch or feel or so, is in relation with me. I think, do, do you understand what I mean? That's it's, a very beautiful way to put it, yeah. I, I have the feeling that all of your works, nothing is cold, or if it is cold, it's very deliberately cold, and you contradict it with something warm, which is coming back a tiny bit to the ovens, but also the, uh, the relief work that we didn't talk too much about, it, which is showing a gate, a gate which is normally made of bricks, and I can see that you are also referring to the brick structure of a, of a, of a gateway, let's put it that way with a keystone on top and it's only holding up because of that, but you made it out of textile. And so it's yeah. not just soft, it's it's warmer than, definitely warmer than concrete. Definitely, and like the, I mean, um, maybe that's also worth going back to how the whole like jute appeared um, to hang on the wall, um, was sort of like an excursion into tapestry Yes. Um, that um, I found out that tapestries were used to not only decorate but also to insulate um, spaces right. and um, that um, again sort of like um, a, a sort of um, means of expression that is on the verge of being practical um, and um, and that yeah, and that really interested me, and also the jute itself as a material that's like so cheap and coming from um, a sort of realm of like working and like sex and practicalities, um, that by dyeing it or putting it together or draping it or putting it together in a different way, you kind of um, sort of change its its meaning or its significance, and the yeah, this idea of like tapestries being something that was at the same time a representative piece of craft or art or how you want to put it and at the same time a sort of like um, hardware store means of making your spaces warmer um, that yeah that, that really interested me so here we see a drapery of a wall covering on top of a wall <laughs> so there's a 
Saluting uh, <laughs> at what is actually covering uh, behind it. Yeah, it's also interesting because it's five centimeters thick at least. Yeah. So the frame, which like on a painting, you have like a wooden frame on it probably or on, on the backside. Yeah. It's also giving it something object-like. So it's it yeah. is like a like a carpet, wall carpet hanging, but it's also an object by itself. It's really playing with it. It's it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's that's relatively new um, for me to use these heavy stretchers because before the jute was kind of hanging loose with mm. a distance to the wall. I always insisted on this distance from the wall because that was another thing that I understood from um, how tapestry, medieval tapestries were being used that you had to leave a gap between the tapestry and the wall to um, make the insulation more effective. Right. But then at court, for example, that became this whole other genre of like, um, behind the tapestry was a place for clandestine actions or like eavesdropping or yeah, whatever uh, you wanted to be hidden. And so I made it a principle that the tapestry, uh, that, sorry, that the jute pieces would like hang away um, from the walls and with the stretchers, it's sort of like they they hang flush on the wall, but like the thing becomes more of an object by having this sort of um, seven centimeters depth. Mm -hmm. And you told us before we started talking um, here about the what you were thinking the story uh, behind this. Wanna bring it up again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe just to yeah this. Describe again like the sort of like the, 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 the jute background that is like put together of like little pieces of dyed jute that form the image of like a gate made out of bricks but then actually the, the entrance is sort of um, blocked by more bricks. Um, it was actually something that um, I, I had my old studio in, um, in Botanique at uh, Rue Royale mm -hmm. and there was like this um, squat in, in Rue Royale um, that uh, when, they, when they pushed out the squatters they, um, they blocked all the windows and entrances with like kind of just um, making this uh, like um, filling it up with bricks and it was just like this sort of like weird side that in the middle of this sort of representative street there was this building which was neither rundown nor nor representative but it was just like a building that had been like squatted for a long time was completely um, um blocked in bricks mm -hmm. and then and then yeah so there was this other um it's it's unfinished so like um the the bottom part is is yet to be resolved but there um there is a cast um of animals that for me were kind of like a guard like that's um a variety of birds that are sitting um sitting there and for me there was something like the guardians or keeper of that blocked um entrance or possibly um possibly um sort of beings that were would like like to enter themselves but were um not able to so not sure like they, they, they could be on the threshold of like uh, blocking other people or being blocked themselves yeah they look a bit scary themselves <laughs> yeah um but for sure there there was like this idea of um yeah um um of um of this sort of like sentinel figures but then i was also thinking of the of the kafka story uh before the law that um, this story where like uh, a man um, sees the law and um, sees um, an entrance and tries and asks the gatekeeper, can I enter? And the gatekeeper keeps refusing him. And um, so the, the man spends his um, lifetime in front of this gate um, being uh, refused access and then in the very end of his uh, lifetime, he asks the, um, the the gatekeeper, "Why why did never anyone else show up that was um, uh, um, allowed access to this gate?" And then the uh, the gatekeeper answers, "Because this gate was only here for you." Mm -hmm. But that, then he he closes it. Then he blocks the whole thing. Yeah. So it's a gate that was never meant to be entered it, and in a way it comes back to the social housing I mean in that sense uh, 
places where they're for people but not really comfortable for people or not really um, meant and not meant for people for the, the inhabitant for the specific inhabitant yeah indeed exactly yeah yeah it's um, it's again combining these almost abstract the gate is almost abstract I mean it's very recognizable it's not like it's not a riddle it's uh, you can see that it's a gate but still um, apart from the fact that it's sewn together it is more or less two-dimensional and these birds are very figurative even in at least in comparison to that and like you said, Bacheva, they're a bit scary. They almost have blind eyes, I would say. I mean, they have eyes, but as they don't have uh, the inner part of the eye, so they really look... Plus, they are white, like a dead dove or something. <laughs> so it's really kind of freaky what is happening on the lower part of the... I just want to say image, but I'm not sure yeah, it's no. an image. No, indeed. I mean, the, the birds are images, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's again this this really really funny combination of of things that you bring together, which leave a gap between what I see and what I can imagine. So it's not just that I, the, the gate is referring to something where I'm not allowed to enter in the Kafka story. It's also the question if I'm allowed to enter into the meaning of the object, maybe or so. Ah, interesting. I don't know. It's it's also almost. There's something about scale, which I never thought about before, but of course the shoes are models of architecture, if you can read them like that, but they're also objects by themselves. So they're one-to-one, -one, but also one on 50, or I don't know what, approximately, and, um, or even more. And, and these ones are, like the ovens, the snail is telling me that they are one-to-one -one size, but they could also be much bigger or smaller, they are a bit without scale. And here it's the same. The, um, the relief that is in front of us on the wall is about one meter seventy, probably. Exactly. And and uh, the gate, therefore, is let's say one twenty or so. And so you could enter, but you yeah. It could be also a window, right? It a could also be a window. Yeah, it's true. So again, you're and playing. The birds with this look more or less the size, maybe a bit smaller than. Yeah, it depends on which kind of birds. Yeah, they, are. <laughs> they look like yeah. dragon birds. Who knows? Yeah, and they're from they, inside out. They're like almost like. Um, how would you call it, like, the molds, because they're going inside, they have some kind of a long, uh, longness to them that is not, like, bird-like, yeah? Like, almost a snake-like body. I don't know, their, their feet, their... Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, like, they're, um, so, they're a bit, um, I made drawings um, of, um, of facades or capitals from, um, um, from churches or um, like Romanesque buildings, and um, oftentimes in the in the sort of capitals that connect a column to the vault or ceiling, you have like animals, and oftentimes like kind of chimeric animals that are sort of like a weird mix of like lion yeah. and bird um, that sort of like yeah populate those carved um, elements of um, mm -hmm. of architecture and. Um, that's sort of like where some of the, the first drawings came from. Right. If I want to be really positive, the tails look <laughs> a bit like squirrels. But that's the only, <laughs> cute, the only cute part about them. They really have something mean as well. Uh, but we can connect to them because they're only they're the only real creature. I mean, it's all stone there. Yeah. It's all depicting So In the way I see it more in the connection to the sculptures, uh, the ovens, than the shoes. Because again, this is like... You take something which is architectural, which is uh, inert, like uh, it's uh, it's an object, and then you add on top of it something alive. Mm -hmm. So you're living it from something from the top, not from the inside, more from the outside. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, but then yeah, but I guess um, it's off. Like for me, it's always the question: like who's who's alive there? Mm. Like is 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 it the wall that it's alive or the birds who are guarding it? Right, right. Um, which of the principles is sort of? And I think yeah, for me that's also like a lot about like if we come back to this idea of like I don't know what what it what it is to to make sculpture is kind of like always being like ready to um, to take the opposite like to I don't know to to take on like the thing. Um, I know the, the the aliveness of the 
of of the inanimate thing and and sort of like reversing like um um uh, a sort of like idea of like who who is still and who is in action it's a nice point maybe i think yeah we okay. i i I always have this problem. I, I still have a lot of questions, yeah. but then again, maybe <laughs> it's another hour, uh, especially because I'm I'm so much fascinated by these references to architecture and this question of how much uh, physically attractive works can be and how do you get to that point. And that has, is a question of scale. That's why I was interested in this temperature thing. That's why I like murals and everything which is flat on the wall because then it becomes part of the architecture. And uh, you stepping back from that and going back on a, on a stretcher, on a frame with something, it's like, Ooh, don't do this. But then this work as such is again via scale, via material and so on, inviting me as a physical body to, to, yeah. to create some relations. So, yeah, but anyways, I'm, I'm restarting to talk, but it's just I, like uh, all these open questions that I still would have, but maybe we do... I'm really happy talk. for the temperature, yeah. um, uh, the, for the temperature image that you that you brought up. I think that's that's really beautiful. And like maybe one, um, maybe one one episode to um, to kind of tell as a, um, as a last thing about um, what I feel sort of like describes an approach. Like I, um, a friend brought me a book recently, and it, it was like this book by Anne Carson, and she wrote about um, a Greek understanding. Um, of like it reminded me of the the, the 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 temperature thing but it was more a thing about breathing that like the Greeks believed um, the the lungs were the um, the organ of thinking as well as the organ of central perception and that through um, breathing in and breathing out um, you were like in constant exchange with um, uh, material and immaterial and like um, animate and inanimate um, um, environment around so everything else like uh, you would breathe in and breathe out particles and the table or the cat or something would breathe like would be breathe in and breathe out um, particles as well so by breathing in the particles of the table I would sort of like understand that the table was an exchange with the cup and the building and that like sort of everything kind of um is in this sort of physical exchange um through the particles uh, yeah but at the same time because the lungs are also the uh the seat of the brain yeah um this also means thinking and um yeah i think that is a beautiful image very beautiful maybe with this beautiful note, we should have a <laughs> conversation. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks so much for, uh, for your questions. Thank you. You're listening to Radio Level 5.